Well, we're going to continue this morning with um, a second sermon in the series on growing in your relationship with Christ or, or how to grow in your relationship with Christ. And last week, uh, we established that Christians, Christians grow in Christ in the same way that we come to him, namely through faith. And this led us to spend some time looking at the nature of faith and its foundation uh, of our relationship with Christ. So we talked about that faith is more than just belief. It's more than just um, belief in propositional truths. Check marks of, yeah, okay, I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Uh, we also talked about faith is more than, than a commitment or a decision. Faith is our engagement with God. It is our positive response to him. And this morning, I want to further develop and apply this idea as we think about what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ. Oftentimes in the church world, we use phrases so much that they lose their meaning. And uh, when this happens, they become what's called a catchphrase. We do ourselves a great disservice if we let um, the idea of a personal relationship with Christ become just a meaningless catchphrase. And I think that we are in danger of this happening because we live in an increasingly impersonal world. Our culture is increasingly impersonal. You can go to the bank, you can get gas, you can buy groceries, all without ever needing to talk to anybody. And in fact, you can now virtually buy anything or everything online, have it delivered to your door, and not ever have to set foot outside of your house, let alone talk to anybody. It's easy in our technology-saturated world to become isolated. It's nothing against technology. I love it. I think Amazon is great. But I think we would be amiss if we didn't stop and think about what that means in our daily personal lives. You know, even in, in the modern phenomenon of social media, which social media was designed to bring people to, together. It was designed to network people so that they can be closer and enhance relationships. It's now proving to actually be divisive and harmful to uh, interpersonal relationships. You, you can have a thousand friends on Facebook or a thousand followers on Twitter and still feel alienated, alone misunderstood and rejected. Just like you can be walking down a street surrounded by hundreds of people and feel alone. Or you can be working on a group project at work and feel excluded from the group. We were created to be personal. And yet, humans have this, this tendency to isolate ourselves, turning inward toward ourself rather than reaching outward in love to God and others. So what do we mean when we say a personal relationship with Jesus? Is that just a throwaway phrase? Is that what the old timers called it? Or is there some meaning behind that phrase? Having a personal relationship with anybody can help us understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So a personal relationship is just a relationship in which your person, 
who you are as a person is impacted, changed, or otherwise affected through your interaction with the other person. So you, you engage with somebody and you're affected by it. Um, a person can, can change you, can mold you. It doesn't take long in life to where you realize that, oh, people affect me. In fact, I remember when I was younger, my sister could tell who I'd been hanging around based on how I acted at home. Because we're moldable by people. Who we interact with changes us and affects us. Um, when, we, uh, when we think about our relationship with Jesus, and we talk about a personal relationship with him, that's essentially what we're saying. That, that you don't just believe a certain set of truths. You actually have a personal connection, a personal relationship with Jesus, one in which what Jesus says in Scripture affects you. And you, in turn, respond to him in faith, through prayer, Bible reading, and the way you live your life. It's interesting, as I, as I was thinking about personal relationships... I, I thought, when you relate to somebody, you begin to know them. And the deeper that knowledge is, the more personal the relationship is. And so a lot of times I found that if I'm relating to my wife and I have a certain expectation of how I think she's going to respond, right? And when she doesn't respond that way, sometimes I think she just didn't respond at all because I had this expectation of how she was going to respond. So here I am, offended or, or mystified at, at what just happened. And like, that's, that's not like you. You don't normally respond that way. And it turns out it's actually a lack of, of knowledge. I didn't know her as well as I thought I did. And so I think we, that can happen with God. That we, we think God is going to respond a certain way, and he doesn't. And we take that as he's giving us the cold shoulder. When he's not, it's actually we're the ones missing the point. We're missing who he is. He's ex- expanding our knowledge of him. So how you, or the knowledge you have about somebody, affects your personal relationship with them. It affects your relationship with them. So we, we live in a, in, in a world where we are meant to be personal. And that can be a good or a bad thing, can't it? We use, we use the word personal to mean either positive or a negative thing. You know, I've, I'm the kind of person who I sometimes have to be told, Ryan, just don't take it so personally. And I'm like, but, but, but they said that. That is personal. Because it, it, it affects me. And yet, on the other side, we can, we can have a, the idea of, of personal being good. You, you put this special something into, you know, so if I buy a gift for my wife and I put extra thought in it, I make it extra personal because I know Kara and I know what she likes. And so I do something extra knowing she's going to like it. My knowledge affects how I relate to her. So what makes relationships personal, to sum this up, is the level of knowledge the individuals share about each other and the impact they have on one another's lives. 
So, so what makes a relationship with Jesus personal is the knowledge that you have of him because he has all knowledge of you and how much that knowledge affects the way you relate to him and how much that knowledge affects the way you live your life. Growth, as we talked about last week, growth in relationships requires effort, work, and maintenance. I think anybody who has had a remotely successful relationship in their life will attest to that. But the healthier the relationship, the least amount of work and effort that maintenance takes. So you you have a good relationship and it takes effort and work, it takes or it takes maintenance, but the maintenance is, is easy. Because you have a healthy relationship. You, you want to talk to the person. You want to spend time with the person. You want to hear about their day. You want to, oh, we have a we had a slight misunderstanding here. Well, let's let's fix that. Let's see what went wrong so that way we don't we don't replicate it in the future. We we grow in our relationship. But when you have an unhealthy relationship, that's when the maintenance takes work and takes effort. Because you don't want to engage them. And it takes discipline to sit down and force yourself to engage them when you don't want to. So the healthier the relationship, the least amount of work and effort maintenance takes. So you may think, okay, this is all well and good. Yeah, I understand personal relationships, but don't we just kind of take that for granted? Like we just take that as truth. My question to you, as we talked about this morning in Sunday school classes, is this just an idea that we've been given? Is it just a tradition? Can you find personal relationships in Scripture where people actually have a personal relationship with God? Because if you don't, then all this talk of personal relationships is is absolutely useless. There's, there's, There's no point. And so this morning I want to look at three examples of people in Scripture and their personal relationship with God. The first is Moses. Moses demonstrates a personal relationship multiple times in Scripture. But I want to look at the maybe one of the most well-known, which is found in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. It'll take just a minute for me to, to, to set up this the context here. Because Moses went on top of the mountain and was with God for weeks as God gave him the law, the instructions by which God wanted his people Israel to live by. And when Moses came down the mountain, what were they doing? They were worshiping a golden calf, which is something that God had just told Moses, don't ever do that because I cannot be contained in an idol. And so God tells Moses, okay, go ahead and take the people and they can still go into the promised land, but I'm not going to go with them. You're good. You lead them. I'm staying here. And so Moses went up to the tent of meeting to meet with the Lord. And in verse 12 of chapter 33, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, 
but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I have found favor in your sight. Please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And so the Lord said to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses replied to him, If your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us, that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I, will, and I know you by name. So, Moses knows that God's name is now attached to the people of Israel. And Israel's sin of worshiping the golden calf angers God. They're worshiping a, a false god. A God that they can control. A God that they can see. And so, God promised to Abraham the promised land. And God's saying, okay, you can still have that. I'm just not going to go with you. And Moses, Moses says, if you're not going, I'm not going. Why? I mean, they still get the promised land. You see, I wonder how many Christians today, if, if God were to say, okay, you can still have heaven, I'm just not going to be there. Okay. As long as, I don't get, as long as I don't have to go to hell, I'll take that. That wasn't good enough for Moses. Moses didn't just want the gift God promised. Moses wanted God. We see a deeply personal relationship here. Moses didn't just want the gift. He wanted the giver. Not only that, we see in this passage Moses talking to God as a friend. Moses reasoning, saying, God, how is the world going to know that we're your people if you're not with us? And God's like, you've got it. You now understand my deep connection that I have with my people. If I don't go there, you don't go there. And if you don't go there, I don't go there. So for Moses, we learn The connection that God has to his people is not just about the gifts he gives. It's not just about the promises of heaven or that he's going to provide for us. It's not just about the things we get. It's about the knowledge and relationship we have with our creator. The next passage of scripture that that we're going to go to to look at a a personal relationship that, that God has with, with a person is 
John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well. We really don't need any other any other examples because if Jesus, the image of the invisible God, dealt with people in such a personal way as this, and he is the epitome of God's revelation to mankind, then this, this, is, this is God. This is who he is. This is how he operates. Many of us are familiar with the story of the woman at the well. She comes to the well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, to avoid all the other women who are going to go in to fetch water for the village because she's an outcast. She doesn't want to deal with the stares. She doesn't want to deal with the murmuring under people's breath. She can go and be alone because she has so many failed relationships in her life. And Jesus is there waiting for her. In John chapter 4, we read, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus is breaking many social taboos here. He's talking to a woman, which is in Jesus' day was frowned upon, unless it was a relative. And he's talking to a Samaritan who there was a racial feud between the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus says to her, he engages her. She's seeing with her eyes, but Jesus is seeing in the spirit. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you a drink of living water. Jesus is going over the social taboos. It's, it, it's not about that. It's not about the, me, a man, and you, a woman. It's not about me being a Jew and you being a Samaritan. It's about who I am and what you need. Jesus gets right to the heart of the problem. So Jesus engages her over and over and over. There's just this back and forth. And finally, it comes down to this. It comes down to Jesus saying, go and bring your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, I know. I know you don't have a husband. I know the man that you're living with right now isn't your husband, and, and I know that you've actually had five husbands. I can imagine everything in her just crumbling. Here she was engaging a Jewish man, having a conversation with him about where is the proper place of worship, having a conversation with him about the Messiah. I mean, these are important things. You know, she was, she was somebody talking to this guy. And he just goes right through it. You're seeking something personal. And all of your relationships that you've had have fallen apart because what you seek can't be found through a man. 
I offer you living water. Jesus related to her in such a way that she went away from there and told the entire town who she had been avoiding for how many years? Come see this guy. He told me everything I've ever done. Jesus dealt with her in a deeply personal way. And that's our, that's our Savior. He gets to the heart of the matter. He deals with the areas of our life that we don't want to deal with. That we just hope we can avoid. And he takes us right to them. Jesus dealt with her in a way that was more personal than what she even wanted. And I think that Jesus engages us that way too. He goes deeper than we want He makes us more uncomfortable than we want to be because he wants to make us whole. He wants to root out all of the cancerous cells that are within us that keep us in isolation from one another and from God. The final example that we're going to turn to is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a short little passage that Paul talks about. It's well known. And it's just a snippet of Paul's relationship with God. But I think that it's, um, I think that it gives us insight into what happens in a personal relationship. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So Paul, his relationship with God was that God was giving him revelations. He was giving him insights into mysteries that had been hidden for ages so that Paul could reveal them to the church. Things that no one had understood in the past in the Jewish culture, prophecies about Jesus that people missed. God was revealing them to Paul. So that he could preach the word of God to the people and reveal the will of God. God says, so to keep me from being conceited in all these revelations that I've been given, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me um, from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul pleaded with the Lord that he would take away the thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. But God said no. Not something people like to hear. Just like my toddler. And then, after the Lord says that, what does Paul say? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What just happened there? 
Paul was interacting with God. Please take this away from me. It's hindering my ministry. It makes me feel bad. We don't know exactly what it was, but he wanted it gone. And God says no. And God changes Paul's mind. No longer does Paul plead with God that he takes it away. Rather, Paul rejoices that he has it. That is what a personal relationship does. It changes your perspective. It changes your attitude. It changes who you are. This is a perfect example of how God relates to us in a personal way. You see, sometimes we pray and we pray and we seek and we seek and we're left with just nothing. We think, well, God's not listening to me or God's abandoned me. When in truth, it's our expectations of him that are false. Because he has given us in his word power to change our thinking. Paul says, be renewed in your mind. So that you can understand the will of God. So as as we live, as we seek to grow in this personal relationship with Christ, I wanted to give a good foundation and a good definition of what that personal relationship is. It's not just pie in the sky. It's not just an abstract idea. It's concrete. Just as you relate with another, you relate to God. So from from here on out in the series, we're going to be discussing ways of developing our relationship with Christ. How do we meet with God in a more personal way? How do we grow to become more like Christ, to, to grow and love him more and live for him more? How do we receive more grace to live the lives he wants us to live? Pray with me. Dear Father, I thank you that you are a very personal God. You didn't just create the world and let it go its own way while you went and did something else. You want to be involved in our lives. Father, and I pray that you would make that not just knowledge that, okay, we know you want us, we know you want to be involved in our lives, but that you would make it evident, intimately evident in our lives as you work with us as you walk with us, as you talk with us, as you relate to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we go on this journey to learn how we can invest more into our relationship with you. That we would work just as hard at maintaining our relationship with you as we do at maintaining our status in our job or being a good husband or wife or mother or father. Father, I ask that you would do this, that we would be more satisfied and filled with joy in our relationship with you. In Christ's name, amen. I don't know uh, how the Lord wants you to respond this morning, but I would encourage you to respond to him however he's leading you.